Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. And it's going to be a fun one today. I'm going solo today, so no Marco or none of my normal co-hosts, but it's still going to be a very interesting one because there is some in- additional interesting news that recently came out regarding Brandon Ayuk, regarding the 49ers with a couple of their signings. And so what I'm going to do today, I'm going to be breaking down the Brandon Ayuk news, not really news, but talking about his situation overall, not just the you know the speculation part of it, but really his contract situation overall. But I'm also going to be focusing on the 49ers, the state of the franchise, where are they right now? And that's something that I'm going to be looking at. And I'm going to break down every position group, see what the 49ers need to do to continue to add to each position group if they have to do that. And if so, I'm going to be talking about those position groups. So stay tuned. It's going to be a fun show. But let's start it off with the Brandon Ayuk uh, recent talk on Twitter, wherever you you might be seeing it. Brandon Ayuk uh, tweeted out how he essentially got a thousand yards in a four uh, as a fourth option and uh, tweeted out a lyric from Lil Baby as well. Uh, but overall, the 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 sentiment. Might have been a little frustration there from Brandon Ayuk, a player who the 49ers obviously have had high hopes for, selected him with a uh, a first round pick. And so when you talk about, you know, the backstory, Brandon Ayuk and the, uh, the 49ers, you know, it seems like they've built a, a pretty, pretty strong relationship. It seems like there's a good amount of trust in Brandon Ayuk as well. And so when you talk about his situation, there might be a little bit of a disconnect and, it's understandable. I think a lot of people might freak initially, and I think it's fair to freak. I, I do think so. I, I don't think that people should restrain how they initially feel when hearing such news, although they have to understand how the process works. So you know how the 49ers normally are with their negotiation tactics. They're a team that is pretty, pretty uh, tight-knit about the amount of money that they spend. Now, we did see a little bit of the inside of Debo Samuel's deal and negotiations last year. Obviously, Samuel had requested a trade at one point. It seemed like he could have been dealt on draft night, and the 49ers ended up extending him near training camp. We even heard from Tory Dandy in a clip of a, a documentary made that the first offer the 49ers gave was actually better than expected, which hasn't always been the case. I mean, with George Kittle, who nearly demanded a trade as well, uh, Trent Williams, the 49ers had to come in at the last minute to uh, to pry him away from the Kansas City Chiefs on that six-year deal. So, you know, there are a couple of these negotiations that have been like that in the past. But talking about Bruno Ayuk, let's first talk about the... Uh, kind of the the semantics of the deal. Brandon Ayuk's done with three years. Now, the 49ers aren't going to extend him this offseason. John Lynch, last year, when he was talking about guys like Nick Bosa, made it pretty clear that they don't do extensions with two years remaining on the deal. And they shouldn't. I, I, I understand the, the thought process behind it, but I don't think that doing extensions two years in, uh, two years in favor is fair to either the team or the player. However, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if if the talks of an extension had happened. And 
given the timeline, the 49ers could be looking to lock up Ayuk on a deal that might take him. I mean, it'll take him through the next two years on his rookie deal, but might be cheaper understanding that he's had really one elite season of production within a thousand yard season. Now, based on that level of production, his the offer that he might have received might have been lower to his standards. And that's understandable from the 49ers, but the response is also understandable from Ayuk, knowing that, guess what? I'm I believe that I'm a thousand yard receiver. I believe that I'm a top receiver in the league and could be a one somewhere else. And so I don't think that that contract's fair. Maybe that's what sparked the discussion there. I wouldn't be surprised if it was if the 49ers sent their first offer and it was essentially what you deem a low ball. But when you talk about Brandon Ayuk, and the deal, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be worried at the moment, just because the 49ers tend to really hammer in on these negotiations next offseason, the offseason after, and so there's still a strong, a solid amount of time when you get to that Brandon Ayuk talk. And before I continue on with Brandon Ayuk, do want to give a shout out to Mariah. Thank you for tuning in to the show. But when we talk about Brandon Ayuk, I think you've got to understand, yeah. He's got a fifth-year option. The 49ers will pick up that fifth-year option, which gives them flexibility since he was the first-round pick to then negotiate next offseason. Now, I think it would be in their interest to potentially get a deal done now, but it's not their philosophy, and I don't think Ayuk would accept any deal at this moment, understanding that his uh, really the, the, the floor for what his deal could be is only going to improve because he should have another strong year next year after being featured as a number one type of receiver this year. So that's the way that I look about this Brandon Ayuk talk. And so to me, I don't, I, I wouldn't place too much of a worry. Now, is there a possibility he can be dealt? Never say never. I don't think that there's a, I don't think it's 0%. I do though think it's extremely minimal this offseason. I think any discussion about Brandon Ayuk would be made next offseason. And I think that the 49ers at the moment, after seeing what they did last year, might favor Brandon Ayuk to Debo Samuel, understanding Ayuk is younger, understanding Ayuk then would be uh, a guy who they could get on an extension and have cheap money for the, the first two years or the first year of that deal, depending on how it's structured, and understanding that Debo Samuel would be on the last year of his deal. Uh, or uh, Well, he has two more years going into the next offseason. So I think that there could be a couple of factors like that that potentially suggest the 49ers might move with Brandon Ayuk over Debo Samuel. I've advocated for that result next offseason. But on the Brandon Ayuk terms, don't think that there's too much uh, to, to decide there. And with Ayuk as well, I do think the 49ers will get an extension locked up, but only next offseason, where, given where his contract currently stands. His fifth-year option, though, it's a no-brainer. I know a lot of people have speculated on Javon Kinlaw, whose fifth-year option should be declined, but Ayuk's is a no-brainer. So, I don't think that there's too much of an issue there, but I did suggest last offseason when we were in the Debo Samuel discussions and in the other discussions that we've had in the past, the 49ers might have to alter their approach in terms of playing hardball with contracts with bigger uh, with, with bigger name players. Why? Because, you know, when you have these low-balling contracts uh, for, for mid-level players or players that might not be of higher stature, the APY, the average per year disparity between what the team believes and what the player believes, isn't that significant. While the percentage of how much it is could be, it's still only 2 to $3 million, and that way it's easier to hammer out a deal. But when you are offering someone $17 million, per year and they want 25 million per year there's a much bigger disparity so i've suggested the 49ers should potentially alter the way that they go about these uh uh these negotiations but one thing to note i know a lot of people like to blame the 49ers and i don't know if you guys are parag stands or parag haters but regardless 
every team operates in this way. We've seen it. We, we've seen these type of negotiations everywhere. Every team kind of operates in this way. And that's why you sometimes get these disputes, these holdouts, or, you know, people scrubbing off social media, which is the new power these days with players. That's why you get these discussions because that's the, that's the business of the NFL with these agents trying to get the best deal for their players. But enough about Brandon Ayuk. I do want to talk about this 49ers team heading into 2023 because it's certainly an interesting team at the moment. I'm going to go through position by position, and I'm going to talk about what the 49ers need to do. Are they done at the position? What's going to happen at the position? What else do they need to do moving forward? And let's start with quarterback because the quarterback position was one that the 49ers definitely uh, were looking to address going into the offseason. Why? Brock Purdy? injury he's not going to be able to play in OTAs probably won't be able to play in training camp based on how his timeline is suggesting which meant the 49ers were going to need to get a backup quarterback even with his six-month timeline given that his six months essentially leads up to week one so they were going to need a backup quarterback and they signed one in Sam Darnold that obviously sparked a lot of debate oh is this an issue is this something saying something about Purdy is this saying something about Lance if you want to hear my thoughts spoke about it on last week's podcast with Marco but on the quarterback topic, you now have three quarterbacks on the roster, but potentially only two that can be healthy. I do envision Purdy will return at some point this year, even if even if it is week one. I think Lance starts the year as the starter at the moment, and then Purdy and Darnold are two and three. Although, obviously, the one thing I said, I'm not going to say the word competition because people take that the wrong way. But every, every really, every battle or every time when you have a one and a two, it is a competition of some sort. Now, sometimes you don't believe it because you would expect the one to win, but it's still somewhat of a competition. I spoke about how I actually like the Sam Darnold signing. I don't envision he gets his incentive money, which means his cap hit would be around $3.9 million. But I do think that it would be good. It, it is the best thing for Trey Lance really if you're if you're a guy who supports Trey Lance I think it's the best situation for Lance because he's going to get pushed by a guy who has started in 55 games in his career I think that that experience is important and I think that Sam Darnold himself understands that his floor could increase with Kyle Shanahan at the helm should he be able to get into some game time action so I think this is a good move but as for the quarterback situation I expect the 49ers to get at least one more quarterback I expect it to be in the draft or in the undrafted free agent pool following the draft that way they can have a quarterback for rookie minicamp and I don't expect this for uh, this quarterback whoever it might be to hit the uh, or sorry to make the 53 man roster. The 49ers already have their solidified 3. You're not going to put Purdy uh off the 53 man roster and even if you want to put him on IR, which means you might miss the first 4 games, you have to play him on the 53 man roster and then put him on IR. I don't know if they'll put him on the PUP. That might be uh, a suggestion or not. We'll see. But I think it's going to be Purdy, Darnold, and Lance as the three on the 53-man roster. Remember, most teams only operate with two. Only 25% of teams operate with three. So I think that they'll just be comfortable with those three. And then whoever they sign, they are likely to cut before the 53-man deadline and then be as their practice squad quarterback, which is why I wouldn't be surprised if it's a day three pick or if it is a player that goes undrafted. They've been talking with some quarterbacks. I know there was the Utah State quarterback, Jake, I think it's Jake Bonner that they talked to today. Uh, that report came out. So, you know, there there is certainly some dialogue. Quarterback, I think they add one more player. I think that it'll come in the day three of the NFL draft this year or in the, free, uh, in the undrafted free agency pool. That guy would be the practice squad quarterback for the year.
Let's move to running back. Running back is a position the 49ers certainly have valued and sometimes overvalued in the draft. You talk about guys like Trey Sermon, who got cut after one year despite the 49ers spending a third rounder on him. Tyrene Davis-Price, potential is there. Didn't look too great in his rookie year after spending a third on him as well with safeties on the board with other positions of need or other better positions uh, in terms of BPA on the board as well. But the 49ers went running back there. What do they do at running back? So right now you do have Elijah Mitchell to return, Christian McCaffrey to return, Jordan Mason should return, Tyrone Davis-Price should return. You've got four there. I don't know if the 49ers are going to dip again and try and get a running back. Wouldn't be surprised if they go after an undrafted guy because if they like him potentially over TDP, he could be another one of those third-round cuts. But if they don't like them, uh, that guy, then get, or if they don't like that guy as much as they like TDP or they want to continue to hedge their bets on TDP, you have a guy who can be the practice squad guy and potentially replace maybe an Elijah Mitchell should he leave next offseason or the offseason after that. You know, you, 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 you do want to continue insulating the position for the future while also understanding that the guy in the practice squad might play given the way that the 49ers running backs have gotten injured in the past. Obviously, in that group as well, you have fullback Kyle Juszczyk, but 49ers have four guys this uh, uh, right now and one running, uh, sorry, one fullback. Last offseason, they entered with five running backs because they had Mason, they had TDP, they had the two starters in uh, Mitchell and, uh, sorry, it was Mitchell, Jeff Wilson Jr., and then so... And then they had Kyle Juszczyk as well. So, you know, you're you're adding, again, the, the one guy they cut from their six-man rotation last year was Trey Sermon. So you're, you're, you're going to have four this time, I think, and one fullback. Obviously, it's tough to project 53-man rosters right now, but I do envision they go after one more running back, likely either on day three, but more likely in the undrafted free agent pool of the class. At wide receiver, the 49ers have been pretty set. They were pretty set last year, went with five wide receivers, and it's going to be a similar group again this year. You've got uh, Debo Samuel here. You've got Brandon Ayuk returning, as obviously. You've got Jawan Jennings, who came back on his unres- or on his restricted free agency deal. Ray Ray McLeod, a guy who the 49ers signed to a two-year deal last offseason, final year of his deal, he should be here, and Danny Gray. You've got five receivers already. Now, receivers is a position the 49ers don't mind taking in the draft, so I wouldn't be surprised if they go for a sixth receiver, also considering they've normally played six receivers, and this is a pretty solid class towards the middle to late rounds, so wouldn't be surprised if they go after a day three wide receiver. Um, obviously, for training camp, you're going to want some more depth. They'll definitely go for some more depth, but wouldn't be surprised if they had one more box to try and compete for the 53-man roster, given that they have five receivers that they're comfortable with right now. Let's move forward. Tight end is a position that the 49ers certainly are going to look after this offseason. A lot of people were disappointed the 49ers couldn't get Austin Hooper. Hooper was a free agent, signed with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, excuse me, this uh, just earlier today. I think it was a one-year deal with like $2.75 million. I am fine with Austin Hooper not getting that deal. I think $2.75 million is a good amount of money because guess what? The market for tight end twos this year and really the last two years have been significant. Understanding that teams want to run more of that 21 personnel, more uh, two tight end sets, 21-22 personnel run heavier sets. Why? Because it provides more versatility and it also forces defenses to match you with more linebackers and more defensive linemen in the box. And so that allows you to run your spread offense a little more, uh, push vertically a little more, understanding that you might have more uh, favorable matchups in the air.
Talking about the 49ers, they re-signed Ross Dwelly. I don't know if he'll make the 53-man roster. Right now, you have Charlie Warner. You have George Kittle. You have Ross Dwelly. Right now, I'm envisioning 100% that they go after a guy in the draft. The 49ers, Adam Peters, their uh, assistant general manager, he himself told Matt Barrows of The Athletic that the tight end class is a deep class in this draft. He envisions them going after a tight end. Um, Here we get a comment. Niners are looking at Higgins, the tight end of Stanford. They're looking at a lot of tight ends. They've definitely talked to a good amount of tight ends, both at the Combine, at the respective Bulls, and now at Pro Days. John Lynch was at the Pro Day today in Stanford. I think uh, uh, Adam Peters, I believe, was also at the Pro Bowl uh, Pro Day today at Stanford. He was one of the guys there for sure. And uh, so, you know, they're definitely looking at tight end. I think they draft one for sure in this uh, in this class. And so when you talk about the position, that's an end. The 49ers, they normally go with three to four tight end. Last year was four because they had Croft, Dwelly, Warner, and they had. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. George Kittle. I don't know if they're going to go with four again this year. I think that that might be uh, a last year thing, but I wouldn't be surprised. But remember, if they go with four, that means they are uh, having heavier personnel there at uh, at the at the tight end position, as well as how they did it with the running back position uh, last year. So that could be the case. I I do think that they might shy away from that, understanding the amount of positional versatility that they have and look to go after a guy who can play every down as a second tight end in the draft. Lots of capable players, including in those middle rounds where the 49ers select first in the third round, in the fourth round, even in the fifth round, if they fall, given the amount of tight end depth that there is in this class. So my expectation, the 49ers go after one more tight end. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually go out and sign another guy um, or potentially even draft two. Why? Because Ross Dwelly is a guy who, in the organization, they view primarily as a backup. I don't think that they view him as a guy with higher potential. And they might want, if they want four tight ends, they might want another guy with some more potential. Warner, has the uh, Warner. I think they like their blocking. He's also pretty, pretty cheap. George Kittle, obviously he's George Kittle. You draft a guy, and if you want a fourth, would it be surprised if they draft two? Look for one to compete with Dwelly, or just look to draft one, go three tight ends this year, and have Dwelly and the rookie competed out for the spot. So I think that though there are certainly several situations, but I think one thing is, in my opinion, like a 90% certainty, the 49ers go ahead and get another tight end here in this draft. They've failed in the past a little bit. They haven't really been able to get that second tight end that they've wanted. Remember, Jordan Reed was a guy that they wanted. Jordan Matthews, even last offseason, was a guy who flashed. I mean, there have been a lot of names that have flown in at tight end, just haven't been able to find that second guy with George Kittle. That might be in this draft. Moving over to the next position group of 
the team. We've got offensive line, and offensive line is interesting right now because the 49ers came into this offseason with a couple of holes. Uh, Trent Williams was pondering retirement. He returns. Aaron Banks obviously slides back in at left guard. But then you had Jake Brendel, who was a free agent. The 49ers were in on the free agent market at center. There were a lot of names that the 49ers could have uh, gone after. And a little disappointed, I said last week, how they weren't able to land one of the top guys like Garrett Bradbury, uh, who ended up staying with Minnesota for $5.25 million a year. Instead, they relegated back to Jake Brendel. Not the best option, but still a serviceable option, a guy who they liked last offseason and uh, a guy who's been in the system for a little bit. They get him for essentially what is a two-year deal with $8 million. He right now slots in to be the starting center. But Nick Sakel is a guy who the 49ers also viewed as a guy who could be the center of the future. Them two should compete it out this offseason for who could be the position. And I think it's a win-win. 49ers know what they have in Brendel, so they're comfortable rolling with him. If Zakel beats him out, you've got a guy who's better than the guy you know. And I think that that is uh, something that works to the 49ers' favor here. And so... Nick Zakel, he's an option. I think he makes the he makes the 53-man roster once again, but Jake Brendel, he's the starter there. Right guard, uh, Spencer Burford returns, but could he see some time at right tackle? We'll see, because the 49ers recently signed former New York Giants center John Feliciano, a guy who hasn't had the best of years last year, but a guy who's been capable in the past. He's played with the Bills, played with the Giants, and he can play guard. And if the 49ers like what he has to offer here, I think in his age 31, 32 season, they could slot him at right guard and give Spencer Burford a chance at right tackle. Burford was up and down in his time in guard, but he could be a solid right tackle in the NFL. That's where me and my co-host Marco have been talking about for the past year, potentially sliding him to right tackle in 2023 to offset the loss of Mike McGlinchey, understanding they have good guard depth and could get a player who could uh, slide in and play at guard. Jalen Moore, an option on the, uh, on the roster. Jason Pose, the Kel himself could be a guy. And now you have John Feliciano as well. And then at right tackle, I just named that, he could be a guy in terms of Spencer Burford, but Colton McKivitz right now seems like the player to go for. And I think the 49ers will answer this question in the draft. If they don't feel that comfortable with Burford being a right tackle, if they prefer him at guard like they did in year one, they could go after a tackle in the draft. I don't think Colton McKivitz's deal at all shows that he is a starting caliber player. Or they view him as a starting caliber player. It's really a one-year deal that they can get out of. They want two years of depth. They have that with Colton McKivitz's two-year extension. A lot of opportunities there, but I wouldn't be surprised if they trade up to draft a right tackle, understanding how this class is somewhat top-heavy at the position, or even stay put and draft a developmental guy that they could potentially beat out a guy like McKivitz, be it in year one or down the line. So offensive line-wise, I do think that they have a an idea of what their starting five could be, but there is a lot of plug-and-play possibilities that competition should get the best out of in the offseason. I think that that's where the excitement should be for the 49ers. Now, as for the backups, Jason Poe could slide in and be a backup center guard. Zakel is there as well. You've got two players that were you know, uh, rookies last offseason, second year in the system, better acclimated in the system. That could be uh, something that they look forward to. So you've got a couple of players there in the backup that could be uh, potential starters for the 49ers moving forward. So that is something that you, you 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 look forward to in the offensive line group. I think that they definitely address offensive line in the draft. I think that at least one position they'll address. It could be even center if they want to. I, I don't know if they'll go the center route at least high early on anymore. 
but right tackle is a position they should address in the draft probably because the 49ers have a tendency to go when you're in the future, look forward in the future to try and find their future guys. Did it with Aaron Banks. I mean, Javon Kinlaw didn't work. They tried to do it there. They, they've tried to do it in several areas. Talano Funga to replace uh, Jaquaski Tart and Jimmy Ward. And then, you know, Diamond Lenore as well. You, you could throw him in the ranks. So they've done it in several other position, uh, positions. Wouldn't be surprised if they go for it here with the offensive line. Now, defensive line is a position I don't think the 49ers are done yet at. Uh, I know a lot of people have been clamoring for Yannick Ngakwe, and the 49ers have been in on Yannick Ngakwe. I just don't know if they're going to be able to uh, finish it off. He the, the market, you know, the market simmers down after those first few days. That's where free agents really get the most money. So if the price becomes the right, 49ers could get it and give Ngakwe another chance to make some more money on the open market when he's 29 or 30 years old for another big contract. But it depends really all on the money. Ngakwe has been a really solid pass rusher, not a great run defender, but a solid pass rusher in the 49ers. They could be looking for a speed option opposite of Nick Bosa. Ngakwe provides that. He's the best guy on the market at the moment, but they signed Javon Hargrave, a big time player. They have Nick Bosa, they have Art Armstead, and Right now, it seems like they're placing a good amount of confidence in Drake Jackson, a guy who they uh, John Lynch openly believed in at the NFL Combine, a guy who they believe needs to just add some weight. If he can get back uh, and be a little stronger, he could be uh, more uh, susceptible against the run. He could be a little better of an option there. While having more pass rushing prowess and being a little more fit to play for an entire season as he wore down a little bit at the end of the year. So positive there with Drake Jackson. You know they love their depth. They have a good amount of guys right now. Kalia Davis is a guy who didn't play last year. He should get a good shot, and he could even get some uh, defensive tackle looks if they like to kick Ark Armstead to the edge uh, on some run defending downs as well. But you've got on the interior, you've got Armstead, Javon Hargrave, Kalia Davis, Javon Kinlaw, who I think the 49ers seem inclined to give another opportunity to. doesn't make sense to cut him. You don't save any money unless he gets just flat out beat out in training camp as a, as a guy who doesn't make the top eight or nine uh, defensive lineman in this, in this team. But he's a guy who's there. So that's four right there. And then I believe, I don't know if I said him yet, Kevin Givens, he's another guy. And so you've got five defensive tackles. The 49ers feel confident in already uh, there to back up these or well, three to back up the two starters at the edge position. That's where they're a little bit shorter at the moment. You did sign, um, obviously, uh, Ooh, Cleveland Farrell, there we go. Cleveland Farrell to match Drake Jackson. Nick Bosa's there as well. I do envision them getting one more player in this class, like not likely, but potentially in free agency. Still a good amount of names there in a deep edge class where the signing money is now decreasing. Obviously lost Romanahu, lost Samson Ebucom. So you do have a shot here to get potentially get some players uh in, in, in free agency, really one player. I think there's still probably about five signings away. They're around 63 players. You get to 68. Your draft picks for undrafted free agents, I think that those cover the remainder of your team or a good portion of the team for the 90-man roster. But I do think that they go after another edge here or another versatile guy. I mean, a lot of players are on the market. They recently visited or uh, sent out a visit for Austin Bryant, who played with the Detroit Lions last year. A guy who I've been high on since the NFL uh, trade deadline last year was Rasheem Green of Houston. I think he's a good option, and I think he could definitely uh, be a fit here in uh, San Francisco as a edge rusher. For sure, he had a solid production as well last year, but I think they go after one. And as always, 
defensive line is a position where they address in the draft at least one time, sometimes even high on just because they love the, uh, the amount of flexibility that the rotation can provide them. And also they look forward to the future, understanding that they lose some guys who come in on one year deals, looking to resurrect their careers. So defensive line, the framework of it is still there. Would it be surprised if they go after one more free agent? I think it's unlikely at the moment that they sign Ngakwe, but they've been in on him. If they can seal it, that'd be a great deal for the 49ers. Moving on to the linebackers, he loses these all shire, but the 49ers are very well set at linebacker position. They've developed almost as good as really defensive linemen uh, for the 49ers over this Kyle Shanahan tenure. D'Amico Ryan's obviously played a good amount into that. Johnny Holland, the linebackers coach right now, obviously played a good amount uh, into that as well. But you talk about the linebackers, you got Fred Warner, you got Drake Greenlaw. Uh, Noah's Ezel Shire, but Ward Burke steps in. They re-signed Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. Don't know if he gets a 50 or uh, 53-man spot, but he's there. Marcelino McCrary Ball could be a guy. He was a guy who I really liked, a guy who flashed in the offseason last year. He could be a guy who could fit for a role. 40 others could go after a linebacker in the draft. But you've got five guys right now who I think they feel pretty comfortable in, um, and there should be some good competition here. Linebacker, another position the 40 others covet. They also like those quick special teamers. And one thing they like is those safety converted linebackers as well. I mean, we've seen uh, the 49ers switch positions sometimes from safety to linebacker and vice versa. I think that that's something they uh, they like because it provides you extra athleticism and also the ability to thump at the line of scrimmage, both are which are important in this gap filling scheme. So I think linebacker, you do look to add uh, one more player to compete with Flanagan Fowles, understanding he's primarily a special teams player. We'll see who they add and where they add it from. I think you could definitely address the position in the draft with the amount of capital that you have. But if there's a linebacker they like that provides good special teams intrigue, you battle it out with Flanagan Fowles, and essentially the winner gets that fifth spot there uh, for the 49ers at the linebacker position. Moving on to the secondary. Secondary is a position the 49ers did get some people uh, that lost, uh, the, or sorry, did lose some people this offseason. You talk about Emmanuel Mosley. He went to the Detroit Lions, one-year, $6 million deal. You talk about uh, Jimmy Ward. He went to the Texans, I think, a two-year, $13 million deal. Two key players of the past few years are gone. Jimmy Ward, obviously, was the longest-tenured 49er before his departure this offseason. The 49ers, though, they did sign a guy, Isaiah Oliver, to, I think, a two-year, $6.8 million deal. Uh, the cap hit is primarily on the first year uh, and not too much loss on the second year. I think it's $1.6 million first year like three point something million in the second year. So I think that you do have some flexibility there uh, with the 49ers. And so to me, I, I, I like the signing. We talked about it last week. Go back and watch if you haven't yet. We talked about it last week. I like the signing. I think he right now fits to be the starter in the nickel. We'll compete with Samuel Womack for that role. And this shows a vote of confidence in Diameter Lenore because Emmanuel Mosley, unfortunately, couldn't guarantee him a starting spot with the way that he, you don't know exactly uh, if he's going to be 100% coming back from injury. And you also have a guy in Lenore who they like on the outside after initially starting in the nickel. You've got three players here, three solid run defenders as well. But a corner is a position I don't think they're done at. Uh, I think that they were going to get two more players. Oliver was one. So there's still one on the market because they have Traverius Ward. They have Womack. They have Lenore. They have Oliver. 
I don't think Ambry Thomas is the guarantee. I don't think the 49ers should guarantee Ambry Thomas a spot this year. And that means you need to draft a guy or sign another guy to compete with him. Because if Thomas can't prove he's the guy, cut your losses at this point, uh, understanding this is his third offseason. I think they go ahead, try and draft a guy with some solid potential and have them to compete it out. Uh, really, the 49ers, one thing you're, you're seeing, don't have many holes on this team. They definitely have positions where they could improve, but not really many holes, especially on the starting line. But some of these positions, that's why you go out, try and get some depth and compete to figure out who really you want to keep and make a part of your future plans. So that's definitely something I'm thinking about there. Safety room. Like I said, you lost Jimmy Ward, but he wasn't really a big part of the safety room after getting injured in the offseason. It was Gibson and Hufanga. Both of those players have returned. Additionally, the 49ers have George Odom still. Tavarius Moore is no longer here. He signed a one-year deal with the Packers, but you have George Odom still. And the 49ers, they, it seems like they like uh, their two guys in uh, in the waiting, in the shadows, really. And Taylor Hawkins and Quantrez Knight would not be surprised with his versatility if Knight ends up being a player who makes the 53-man roster. And if the 49ers go with five, uh, five safeties for the second straight year, understanding the positional versatility that some of these guys have, wouldn't be surprised if they go out and draft a guy, understanding Gibson is likely here for just one more year. You go out, get the guy of the future like they've done at several other positions, and that's the guy who you could develop in the waiting for when Gibson retires potentially next offseason. I think you've got options there. The safety class seems like pretty good. If you can get a guy at 102, 101, one of those uh, early spots, I think they, you got to go for it. I understand right tackle is a need, and I would trade up to get one of the top right tackles in this class, but... That's another position the 49ers could look to go for the future, try and get a guy who they believe they can develop alongside safeties coach Daniel Bullocks. And I think that that is a place where you can fortify the roster as well. Well, we talked about a lot. We talked about every single position group, the state of the franchise really at each of these position groups, as well as Brandon Ayuk. Do the 49ers have an issue? I said not really, but you got to go back, listen at the beginning to see what I uh, ended up saying about the Brandon Ayuk situation. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. For those of you guys listening on the audio podcast, be sure to download the podcast. Really appreciate the support that you guys have given me and the content. We got some big news coming soon. Got some big news. Hope you guys are going to uh, uh, look forward to it. But we'll be back with some shows tomorrow. Sunil should be here. We might have a show again with uh, a special guest of mine, Wayne, who we haven't had a show with in a while. That would be fun. But for now, thank you guys so much for watching. Be sure to stay tuned to the content. We'll be back very, very soon. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.